Do you track your steps, your heart rate, and your sleep? What about your finances? Tune in to find out how tracking your expenses can help you build the right habits so you can save and invest more. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, be sure to subscribe and consider leaving us a review and sharing it with your friends. Welcome to In Your Best Interest, your personal finance podcast. I'm your host, Philip Müller. We're here today with Said, co-founder of Wally. Wally is a smart personal finance app that gives you insights on your spending, helps you set financial goals, and boost your savings. Wally has been recommended more than 150 times across a number of publications, including CNBC, The Guardian, and Forbes. Today, Said will share just how he and his brother started the company and some of his best money-saving tips. And tune in to the end to find out how you can get Wally Gold for free for one year. Welcome to the show, Said. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm glad I'm here to represent the PFM space, helping people yeah. uh, track their day-to-day finances. No, and it's good. I, I do want to get into it uh, in just a minute. But before we do, you know, kind of Said, maybe you can go back in time a little bit and tell us, you know, how you grew up. What was your kind of first experiences with money uh, and how have they shaped, shaped kind of like the rest of your life so far? Um, you know, to be honest, I think I really under I started to understand the importance of managing your money when I was around in college. I think like every single other university student, you're just perpetually broke all the time. But it was, it was something that I became more savvy on when I was actually building my first company. Um, like many other startup founders, you know, when you build your own company, your, your salary has to be lower, let's just say. Um, and sometimes based on you know how much capital the company has your salary sometimes it fluctuates sometimes you don't get it you know it's the uh the the, the hard the quote-unquote hard days of, of, of building of building a company so i think that's that's essentially when i started building my own habits uh but back then this was in the early 2010s you know there were no tools available for you to manage your finances um so it, it was a very you know, basic process. Like I would get the statements from, from the, my bank's website, I'd fire up Excel and I would try to update it every couple of weeks. So it was, it was a cumbersome process and it, it helped a lot, but I, didn't, I never felt like it helped enough. Um, now when I say it helped a lot, I mean like, you know, just like, you know, like for, you know, the finance departments of a company or, or, or investors or bankers or, you know, CEOs of companies, when you try to make decisions on the future, the first thing you do is look at trends in the past. You understand how, uh, how you know, you perform, what, what, what decisions you tend to make, when do you make them, what influences those decisions. And that is, it's just a basic, you know, financial hygiene that someone goes through in order to decide, <clears throat> okay, I want to pay off some of my debt. I want to start investing. I want to start saving. That's, it's, it's just the basic hygiene. It's like when you start your day, you know, you take a shower, you get clean, and then you go out um, and, and, you know, and, and achieve your goals. So managing your finances for me became started during during that process um and and after that company got acquired i 
I stuck to those habits because I wanted to, I wanted to stick, I wanted to maintain the same habits although, uh, as my situation in life improved. Um, but I started asking myself, like, why isn't this automated? Why isn't there, you know, like in early 2013 and 14, 15, you know, we were getting a lot of apps that were coming out, but there was nothing that was, you felt like, you know, this is my companion, you know, when I need to know how much I'm spending, what my balances are, what my budgets are, there just wasn't something that was intuitive or simple enough. And that's when my brother and I, my brother, who's, who's actually, um, you know, it's funny, we, we say he's the fin on the tech uh, because he's actually an investment uh, banker. So he has, you know, he's a finance expert. So we, we partnered up and we, we built Wally into, into what it is today. Yeah, no, it's super, super interesting uh, story on how you got there. And I, I do want to get a lot more into the into what you see users do and like, you know, kind of how you guys are improving their lives with the app. Before that, before we get into that, um, taking one step back again is when you started your first company, just for the entrepreneurship part, right? Kind of you go straight out of university and start a company. Did you go work before? And what was kind of like the thought process between, uh, you know, starting that business and coming up with the idea? I studied computer science. I actually found it very interesting, and and, and I, I liked the concept of building. But um, to, if you remember earlier, I was saying like I felt like I was always broke in college. Um, so I used to to make a little bit of extra money. I used to help people sell their stuff on the internet, on existing marketplaces. So, for example, let's say you had a watch, or you had TVs, or you were moving apartments. Um, you would call us and we would come here, we'd pick up your stuff, we would do the photography, we'd write product descriptions, and we'll sell them on existing marketplaces like eBay. Um, and that did pretty well. Uh, very soon, my apartment turned into a warehouse. Then I went and I got an official warehouse. And I started storing people's stuff in there. And the operations started to get a little bit more streamlined. I hired a couple friends to help me out. Um, But then a friend of mine was like, oh, there's this thing at the University of Toronto. They're doing uh, like a national business plan competition and you should apply. I'm like, what's a business plan? How does that work? You know, what do I do? So I found, I found a template on the Ernst and Young website and I found a whole bunch of videos on Stanford University's uh, entrepreneurial They had like an educational section on their website where they had all these videos where they were interviewing uh, people where what I you know, learned at the time was called a startup. Um, and so I watched all these videos and I read the template and I started you know, putting my ideas together. And it was, it was a good exercise in terms of like formulating your ideas and understanding things that like, you know, like Proto's fine principles, like all this MBA stuff, you know, so or business admin uh, things so we i worked on that and then we competed the process took several months you know all the different rounds of uh, of the interviews uh and, and the, the pitches and eventually i don't know surprisingly we won first place we beat about uh, almost nearly 500 teams so i that gave me a little bit of confidence that and, and it made me feel like wow this idea is actually pretty cool like it's you know once you start realizing what it is it's it's not like Oh, I just need a few hundred, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month extra. So this is what I'm going to do. I was like, okay, this can actually become a business. Um, 
so at the same time, these, um, I guess, I guess now we call them angel investors. At the time, I was, I was just told, oh, these, there's these guys that want to meet you. They heard about your idea, and they want you to launch it from the Middle East. So that's, you know, I was excited. I liked the idea. I was like, wow, I can be a CEO and and, and I have my own business. I'll be a business owner. Said then dropped out of university, and the rest was history. Instead of selling products for people on eBay, he started selling them on soup.com, which at the time was the eBay of the Middle East. Soon, he'd also help people expand their businesses online and build his own e-commerce platform. Eventually, his company was acquired by RMX, one of the biggest logistics companies in the Middle East. Next, Saeed shares just how he automated his expense tracking and how he saved more than $1,000 per month by changing just two simple habits. And remember to listen to the end to get Wally Gold for free for one year. Where's the name Wally come from? What does it stand for? Like a wallet, like sorry. The Excuse wallet, me. yeah. Like a yeah, wallet. Yeah. 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 Um, so we, it was just a, it's a play on words. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay, no, I was just wondering myself. So that's why I wanted to understand uh, where, where it's coming from. But I, I thought that that would be the, the case. But so you started the app uh, with what you and your brother had in mind. So how did it evolve? And like, what's kind of like, like I said, the core, the core message and how, how are you bringing that across to, to your yeah. consumers? So when we first started Wally, the, the idea or the concept of open banking did not exist. Um, now everyone understands it. There's uh, and countless uh, startups that have been built around uh, open banking, but um, it's just it just didn't exist at the time. The idea of pulling uh, some, the idea of someone connecting their bank accounts to an app to pull that data was just not available, um, especially for us where we are, you know, as a global product available in 70 countries. So what we did is we built Wally as an expense tracker. And we focused on helping people, you know, you add your monthly income manually, and then you track every expense manually. You set your budgets manually and you track them manually. Now we did some clever things to help improve the, the experience so that people can add transactions faster. For example, uh, we use device location so we can pinpoint you're in a Starbucks and we would auto categorize it with some machine learning. We did other things like uh, receipt scanning, so a lot of uh, character optical character recognition. Um, but at the end of the day, it required a lot of habit formation. And just like you saw yourself with your clients, um, people found the process very difficult and it took time for them to feel the reward of doing all these things. And what I mean by that is when you used to use Wally, you know, version one and version two, because you had to manually add every transaction, it took some time before you can start to notice patterns. You know, you didn't notice how much your total monthly spending was until the first month was completed. Um, but things started to change. And we, we kind of knew that this, was gonna, this change was going to happen because in the U.S., um, now, while the concept of open banking didn't exist, the, uh, the ability to connect and pull data from, from a bank was available. So we felt like it was it was going to happen eventually in the rest of the world. There was just too many use cases that are happening in the U.S. that will eventually happen outside. But we didn't anticipate for is for open banking to be a government, you know, a regular uh, government-driven initiative, 
and for it to create the type of international um, momentum. Like all of a sudden after the, the British and, and the Europeans launched it, every country in the world was like, we want this too. Because they saw what kind of value people were getting, just like what you guys do at Stash Away with the robo investing and then the transfers and then all of that stuff. It required a fundamental shift on, on how uh, data is shared, how payments are processed and all of these, uh, all of these things. So for us, that process started in about 2018 when we, when we started to realize, okay, this is going to be a global thing. It's going to be very exciting. And we started connecting into banks. Um, and from there, we would allow people to connect checking accounts, savings accounts, investments, loans, um, as well as foreign accounts. So if you are like, for example, yourself, you're, when you're in Singapore, you're a German expat, you probably care about your German accounts. So Wally allows you to connect your Singaporean, if it was a DBS, for example, with your Deutsche Bank. Which is super interesting because I think I, I, I've used some US products because I, obviously I like finance, right? So I try out all, the, all kinds of different tools. So I always had my, because I spent most of my working career over in the US before Asia. Uh, so I, I always used some of the apps there, but I was never able to, and still not actually able to pull data from 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 foreign you know accounts, which I still have, right? Just being a, being a global citizen uh, more than American is it, it, it gets difficulty, right? So you have to manually still do those. So then it's become again for me it's easier because I like finance and I. I like tracking things, but for most people, this becomes a pain again, right? So that you having access to everything is quite nice. It, exactly. And for me, it's not even just about budgeting. Like I have a U.S. bank account where I pay for all my subscription services, my Netflix, my Apple apps, my Spotify, all of those get paid by U.S. account, but my income doesn't go there. So obviously that those funds are going to deplete, you know, soon. Um, so Wally helps me know when, when that's about to happen. Like it tells me, you know, you have these subscriptions, this is your balance, you know, you're nearing zero or you're, you might go into overdraft. So it gives me like from some, from some aspects, Wally helps me kind of take control of my, my spending, my budget so I can reach my goals. But at the same time, it's just from like an organization management perspective. Like I need to make sure that there's money in that account or I'm not going to have Netflix to chill on tonight. No, that, that I think that, that that's an awesome use case actually right there because if especially I, I still have you know accounts everywhere and and for that purpose purpose it's really good so you can move money around when you need to you get reminded that it's coming up so I think great use case for for, for having you know global access especially if you if, yeah. you know a lot of listeners are probably uh, all over the world because we know kind of from where where they listen into so having one app that actually can pull from everywhere is quite nice. Um, before we go further, because I do have some more questions on that, on, on, on the product itself, um, do you want to explain really quickly to users the safety of pulling? And Because for Americans, it's probably a little bit easier because they're very used to this open banking. Yeah. And I think almost every institution now, you know, Fidelity, you can import your Schwab accounts to look at them, right? It's, it's literally everywhere now. Uh, or Bank of America, you can see all your other accounts if you link them. But maybe some people might be a little bit more cautious about, hey, what can you guys see, you know, as Wally and what yeah. can you do with the, with that data? Yeah. Um, and that's a very important question. And it's something that we have to, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about 
because like you said, it's, 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 and for exactly the same reason that you've, you've mentioned in the US, people are used to doing that, but they weren't always used to doing that. When, it, when the technology first became available, a lot of emphasis was explained on how credentials are handled, how they're destroyed, how the data is pulled, the safety around it. So we, we are just now doing that because we're still in the very, very early days in, let's say, east of the Atlantic of, of open banking um, or, or, the, or just generally the concept of connecting your banks. So what we do at Wally is we help people track their, their finances. You know, we take your data, we simplify it, and we make it understandable, and we help you set goals. What we don't do at Wally is actually connect to your bank and pull the data ourselves. What we do, because this type of, uh, of service and technology requires a whole different type of team, uh, certificates, governance, uh, regulatory stuff, we work with the market leaders of, of, of different countries and regions that have certain types of certificates. Uh, they do certain types of audits. So for example, all of them are ISO 27001 certified. They are all PCI compliant. They are all GDPR compliant. Um, so when you connect your bank to Wally, you're actually using a third-party service provider whose specialty is in, protect, in providing a secure way to connect to the banks. And these are the same companies that power all of the examples that you gave, Fidelity, Chase, PayPal. When these companies ask you to connect their banks, they use the same service providers that we use, whether it's Plaid or Lean or Salt Edge or, you know, so there's so many in so many different countries. So... That process is very secure. It's regulated by the central banks in different countries. Um, and essentially they just give us the data. And from there, we apply our privacy. Uh, I don't wanna say the rules, it's just more like a way of doing things. Um, like, you know, this, this concept of, of, you know, being privacy and privacy first and people care about their privacy this is all kind of new stuff after people realize what Facebook was, was doing in the last few years. But we have always, you know, since 2014, we've had a privacy first culture. We knew we had so many different ways we can monetize and create revenue. And none of those things involved data. Um, and we just felt like you can still do a lot of cool things and create a lot of value without having to abuse people's trust. Because like, for me personally, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say like, I'm, I'm, I'm an extremely private person, but I'm a kind of private person, you know, I don't like to, I don't Instagram too much, you know, I maybe put like two or three posts in the last five years, I don't tweet, you know, I spend all day on Twitter, but I'm the guy who's like reading and liking and retweeting, but I don't share stuff, you know, it's just kind of who I am. And I wouldn't want to give my financial data to someone that would, you know, do certain things with it. I don't want marketers getting access to it. I don't want company, you know, that you, 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 you know, you don't want that feeling that you get when you, like, for example, for me, I haven't used Facebook in a while, but even before I stopped using it, like I started using it differently. Like knowing that if I interact with the product in, in a certain way, it's going to teach 
or quote unquote teach it's it's machine learning models that I like or do not like something. I didn't want that to happen. So I would slowly just, you know, stop liking, not comment, not whatever, because you know, if I like someone's picture once, I'm gonna see it every day now. But it was just that you know, you just don't you don't want it so it's a little bit of who who I am and 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 that is basically what ended up becoming part of the culture uh, at Wally. Um, so, you know, we don't share data, we don't sell data, we don't, even ourselves, we don't, you know, we have, we have way like access controls within the company on who has access. So there's like one person who's like the system admin and the backend developers, the server developer that can, you know, actually see what's looking on, but it's so fragmented. You don't even get a holistic look of any one person. So what I'm getting at is just that. For us, privacy has something has been always part of who we are, like since since the beginning. Um, and you take that privacy with all the security, uh, people are in good hands. And yeah, people and also are in good hands. And I th yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, yeah, you said uh, people are in good hands, and I think you explained it pretty well. It's also it's it's a read only feature, right? So you can you know the the access is granted. You give access to your bank account. The system can see what what are the transactions, what are the values, uh, right? What are the holdings in bank accounts and investment accounts? And then, what it gives you though is instead of having manually to put all this information in, and even more so than you can probably find yourself if you do an Excel budget, right? It gives you a lot of data oh, and yeah. insights if you're spending too much, if your investments may be too high priced or whatever it might be, right? Or if you're you know not diversified enough in your investments and things like that. So. Knowing that, and you guys doing this now for I think almost seven years, right? And uh, mm -hmm. you know, since 2018, you have the um, through the open APIs, you were you're able to to analyze people's um, bank accounts and investment accounts as well. What are some of the uh, trends you're seeing, or what are the you know some of the use cases uh, that users use your app for? It's hard to answer that question because the world has been so messed up over the last 18 yeah. months. That it's just everyone is at home. Nothing. <laughs> everyone's at home, and when you're going out, it's just different. And you know, like, is it? Be, you know, are people drinking less because uh, you know they just are drinking less, or are they drinking less because the bars are closed? You know, it's you know so many things of this world, and you're always trying to make sense of it. And then we went from su such high unemployment to you know, like if we if we were going to point at the U.S. for example, you know, we went from really high unemployment. Then, you know, all this cash that was given out and then now we have high inflation and it's just like nothing just seems like it was it's it's going to it's, it's been normal at all over the last. Uh, um, but I think when it comes to what people expect from Wally, um, I don't think that's really changed. And it's just people just want to understand where their money is going, where it is and where they're going. That was true before COVID, that was true during COVID, and that's going to be the case, I believe, you know, in the foreseeable future. Because, you know, like when someone decides, like, let, like let's say uh, an entry-level investor, they decide they want to use StashAway. How do you decide how much to invest? What is safe? What is healthy? What, are, you know, how much is it to, you know, there's all these terms and words and, and, and stuff like that you need to understand you need to understand where you are, understand your income, your spending, like how much, like for example, the 50, 30, 20 rule, how much of your budget or your income 
should be going, that 20% should be going into savings, servicing debt, or investing. Now, for you to identify that 20% that, you know, experts believe is a healthy amount that you should be investing, then you need to figure out the other 70%, uh, excuse me, the other 80%, which is split as 50% into your essentials and the 30% to non-essentials. So when you, look, when you use Wally to identify what are essentials, what are non-essentials, what's important, what's not important, then you start to be able to increase the amount or have better understanding of how much you can be investing. So you go, go and you sign up to a service like Stash Away. You're like, okay, this is how much money I'm going to put in. And you do it with confidence. You won't come back later like, oh, I was too excited. I invested too much. I need some of it back. And you didn't get any of the gains. Um, and so that's, I think that's essentially what people are expecting from Wally is to give them understanding of where they are today so that can, they can, you know, exercise all of these other opportunities that are available to them. No, absolutely. So, and, and you mentioned one already, and I think, you know, a lot of times that happens where people, I had that a lot in, in giving financial education and, you know, working with families is everyone wants to always invest right away. But they might have done, you know, they might have had some very bad financial habits before. So, you know, they might be in debt. They might have, you know, uh, no cash reserves at all. And they start investing. Then, you know, something happens to their job. They need the money. They sell at a worse time because, you know, you're most likely going to lose your job in a bad economic environment. Right. So your stocks might be or investment portfolio might be down as well. And then now you have an issue, right? Now you're selling at a loss potentially when if you could have just held on to it, it would have probably recovered. We learned, we learned what that was like March last year. Like people, we were shaken out of our comfort zone. Everything was great. The economy was booming, full employment around the world. And, you know, things were great. Like in really a lot of countries, things was really great. And then all of a sudden, the government tells everyone you can't leave the house. And people are dying and people are sick. People lose their jobs. People can't find new jobs. People don't have the talent to be able to work from home for those kind of you know, knowledge-based uh, skills. So you realize that emergency or like uh, you know, shit does happen. And like, next time it might not be a pandemic, but if we knew what it was, we could avoid it from the beginning. And I think the people that realize that you know, had their savings realized, um, okay, I might survive this. And then for a lot of people, they did. And then the government was able to step in and then a lot of different countries to, to, help, um, to help their citizens. Um, thank God, you know, the, the economy ended up picking up slowly, but it did. Um, but yeah, it's just, it comes back to you. It's like the importance of like, you know, you really need a good, strong foundation. You need to know where you stand. Um, and I keep going back. It's like just hygiene. It's basic hygiene. If you're someone who believes in, in, in personal hygiene, your money needs its same kind of hygiene. You need to have your, your finger on the pulse. Yeah, I always tell people another good analogy for that is also, you know, you own, you're, you're your own best CFO, right? Because it's your life. Because every, every, people are really good at work and, you know, keeping their budget at work, keeping, you know, like you have to because otherwise you get in trouble. But then when, when it comes to their own finances, it's kind of like left behind because you come home. The last thing you want to do is now sit two hours in front of a spreadsheet, right? And, and, and do your budget and, you know, look at your investments and things like that. You know, a lot of people still think the process is that cumbersome. Like, you know, if I'm going to have to, you know, 
it's going to have to eat away from like my personal time or my hobby because I have to sit down and I have to have a calculator and a pen and paper and write rules. But it's not like that anymore. Like, you know, you have apps like Wally that do it all in the background. They do it all automatically. Sometimes you don't even have to open the app. We'll send you a notification to tell you how you're doing. And that's what I was going to ask you next. What, what are some of the things that you guys help people with? One thing is, you know, aggregating everything into one place, uh, you know, kind of showing your accounts. From that, you have the data and the spending habits, right? And good habits versus bad habits, right? That you can analyze in, in people's accounts. How are you then communicating with customers and helping them figure out what to do next or what to do better? The, the app, so we try to avoid um, giving advice. Um, what we try to do is be objective about the way things are going. So when you set a goal and you know you have a certain number of days or weeks or months, you know, Wally, it's the, the goal. The, so Wally is more goal oriented. You set an amount, you set a target date, and then we help you track your spending on a day-to-day -day basis to, to get there. Um, what we, like I said, what we try to avoid doing is giving people advice and, and rather just looking at the trends and patterns and, and letting people decide, like you said, like the CFO, the CFO doesn't depend on the computer to tell him what to do. He just needs information and then he'll decide on his own with his experience and with his uh, on the ground, let's say, knowledge. So we, we like to keep, what we, what we like to do, what we like to focus on is just helping people know what is going on and how they're doing on their path towards their goals that they set in the app. That's great. And being an entrepreneur, maybe even having a family and looking at your personal finance, how do you manage the personal finances and entrepreneurship at the same time because it's quite difficult like you said you might not have a paycheck for the first few months right so you might need an emergency fund before but or you take a very low uh, paycheck for a few years because you want to survive with the business so how do you give that advice to fellow entrepreneurs or you know how have you done it and and, and managed to, to 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 keep going yeah um you know it's funny that's that's like uh that's probably a reason why a lot of pe more people don't join entrepreneurship. You know, people that are getting very comfortable paychecks as consultants and bankers and, you know, working at a job at nine to five, their salary is almost guaranteed every month. Um, so people don't want to leave that comfort zone to go start something and to take a risk in that idea. Um, and, and the, You know, the promises of riches in the future, if you focus on that, it's very dangerous because statistically speaking, there are no riches in the future. Um, the odds are very much stacked against, against you. Um, so whether or not someone should go into entrepreneurship or once they go into entrepreneurship, how they should manage their finances um, are, are, are two different things. And I think, you know, within the context of, of today we maybe we should talk about how people should manage their finances if they if they talk about it um but at the same time i'm going to try to be a little bit careful because these things are very personal like if you were someone who was leaving that you know had a very comfortable job and you know saved 30 of their income 40 of their income and now you want to quit well you have a cushion that could take you through your first funding round Obviously, you'll need to significantly cut your costs. If you're married, you need to talk about this with your spouse and make sure that they have buy-in and they're going to support you because it affects 
them as well. Again, why an app is good to tell you where you are, right? Because it can show you, hey, how much runway do you have, or what cut, what 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 are the, some of the expenses that are uh, that you're able to cut versus not, right? In order to, to exactly. survive. Exactly. And you know, we live we live in a world today where we you know we have an abundance of choice. You know, you don't have to have beer at the most expensive bar. You know, the price of beer. Like I'll, I'll, you know, like coffee, for example, um, and where our office is located, you can buy a coffee for uh, four dirhams, which is about a dollar something, like a dollar ten, or you can buy coffee for like nine dollars within, you know, a few feet of each other. You know, there's a different brand. The shop is a little bit nicer. The cushions are leather. So you're going to pay for that coffee. You're going to pay for that extra. It's not necessarily better grains of coffee. They're probably all more or less the same vendors. But the same applies to so many things in our life. You don't always have to. You can have the same lifestyle. You know, you can be social. You can go out. You can do, you know, do nice things for the people you love. But when you decide that I'm going to sacrifice the, you know, the, the most expensive things or the second, you know, the, the higher end products, so that I can build something and then give myself more financial freedom in the future, then it's just, you know, it feels, a, it's a lot easier to do. Like when you focus on a goal, um, you know, you'll, you'll make sacrifices for it. You know, most people are goal oriented. They want to improve where they, you know, from where they are, they want to end up in a, in, in a better place. Um, and when you focus on a goal, it makes things a lot easier. Because if it, like, at least for me, like, I don't remember what coffee I had last week. You know, why did I pay $8 for that coffee when I could have paid $2? You know what I mean? Like in that moment, you might think it's important, but like you leave that coffee shop an hour later, a day later, a month later, for sure. You don't remember. But if you cut down your non-essential spending um, and all of a sudden you were able to invest 10% more, that sticks with you. You know, that grows. So, like, you'll always feel better with, with that with that type of, of, of peace of mind, knowing that you have this kind of savings and liquidity and, and you're in a good place. Um, so I think it, it is a personal thing, like I was saying, because people have to understand how they were spending from before. And while you can help them do that, you can see, like, how much were you spending on average at certain restaurants, how much other restaurants are costing on average, you know, how much do you spend on transportation? Like, I'll give you one example. Um, and like, I, I believe more on habitual changes, like, like lifestyle changes than, than you know, little day-to-day -day budgeting because you don't want to think about like, oh, is this above or below my budget? You just want to make one decision that in the long term, you know, will, will you know, be beneficial. And this happened actually... Uh, just over a month ago, um, I was going through my Wally with my fiance and she was going through hers. And I, we were a little bit more like, I don't want to say stressed, but we were like a little bit more focused on it because October was particularly expensive. And it had no reason to be. Like it wasn't like we had birthdays or weddings or anything we had to attend. It, was, it wasn't even like the holidays. So I realized like I was personally paying, I think, $1,000 a month on food ordering apps and about $800 on ride sharing. 
And that's because I don't, you know, I don't cook. I order every single meal I have. I have to end up ordering. And I don't have a car. So, and, and coincidentally, that time, you know, my meetings were in another part of town, like, because there was a conference. So it was unusually expensive for me. But, like, these two categories on their own, I was able to save, I think the, the number was $1,100 because I got on a food plan with a company called Counted, uh, a meal plan, uh, like a healthy thing. Um, and I rented a car from one of these car rental apps. And just, just doing these two things, I had, I had saved uh, the $1,100, $1,200. Um, and now that's investable cash. You know, it's not like I sacrificed and I didn't go out or, or, you know, I was eating less. But instead of impulsively buying every meal and not thinking, okay, this one is 30 more, this one's 20, 20 more, I was able to get a meal plan where I knew, you know, the average meal cost or, or for the next month is going to be 10 bucks and it's going to get delivered to me every, you know, three times a day. That, that means I don't have to think about it three times a day. And the car, yeah, I mean, it's not a... By no means, it's not a Bentley, but it's there. It's available when I need it. I don't have to use these expensive uh, ride-sharing services, and I've just unlocked some cash. But I think that's the power of data, right? That's the power of information and being knowing your data because you saw, hey, something is wrong. You were able to pinpoint where the pay, where where those areas were, and you were able to make different choices right away. Right away, I didn't. It's not like I had to sit down and power up my laptop and. Like literally, I just opened the app and I looked, I was like, damn, that's a lot. And, you know, within like, not, it was a very short, like within 24 hours, I had changed those two habits. You know, like I signed up to the meal plan and I rented the car and I'm like, that money is now going to be invested. Yeah, done. Because if I left it in my bank account, obviously, like, you know, I'll spend it elsewhere. Exactly. No, no, exactly. And I think it's, it's all about those habits. And that's why even, you know, also for, for investment purposes, even if you just track your net worth and, you know, even just, hey, is it going up or down over periods of time quarterly, right? Then you can, if it's going down, then you can at least go inside. Then you can go look for more details, right? And you say, okay, why is it going down? Maybe the global stock market is down and you're invested in stocks. Well, okay, there's a reason for that, right? Or maybe you took on more debt. Okay, that's why it went down. There's different reasons for it, right? Or you're spending too much on your credit card. So you can really pinpoint. I think this is where the future, and if you use the tools available like your app and, you know, and things like that, really can change your habits and make life so much easier. You know, like you don't have to, there is tools for you to get ahead, right? And, and that, that, that's awesome to see that, you know, the more that, you know, we, we rely on data and, uh, and um, algorithms to help you sort of, and there's so many other ways like the you know apps generally do these things like you know for me i track my heart rate i track my 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 steps my sleep um you know me and my fiance will compare like oh i didn't sleep well last week Did you, you know you know what i mean we'll try to like all of these things allow us to make these incremental changes that improve our life our, our quality of life and your money is no different i mean it is the you know, it, it's what enables you to do all, all the things you want to do. But just like you need to rest and, 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 and think like, okay, I need to sleep my eight hours tonight so that, you know, for the next few nights, so I'm always feeling better. You need to start investing. You start saving your money so that, you know, in the future, you're feeling better. You know, you're, you're in a healthy place. Yeah, no, it's super cool. And and I want to, before we wrap it up, uh, is there a way for people to, to, to find more out more about Wally? What's the best way to get access to it? Uh, 
anything you can share? Yeah, for sure. Wally is available for free to download on the App Store. Uh, you can connect. And that's globally, right? Yeah, in 70 countries. So Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Europe, North America. Um, you can connect as many bank accounts as you want for free. Um, and but we do have some features that are uh, that, that are really cool that you can unlock if you have Wally Gold. So like we were talking about earlier, if you wanted to track foreign accounts, if you want to track um, uh, a joint account with your spouse, something we didn't talk about was like family finances, um, husbands and wives needing access to the same information so they can make the same decisions and you know setting a household budget. Those are some of the things that are unique to Wally. Um, all of that is part of Wally Gold, but we're we're really excited to offer and happy to offer all your listeners and all your customers one year of Wally Gold for free. Um, and they can just use StashAway as a promo code, no commitment, and they'll find more money that they can invest with you guys. No, exactly. I think it's a win-win. Uh, so, so thank you so much, Said. Uh, we'll definitely put the um, links in the show notes, and if, if anyone wants to find out more, they can, of course, reach out to you and, and the team as well as to our team. Well, as well, thank you so much for the opportunity. That's it for the show this week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a review. The reviews really help us and we love reading your comments as well. In Your Best Interest is hosted by me, Philip Müller. We're produced by Stashaway and we're mixed by Mo Ramley.